In my 20s, my job required me to spend most of my evenings in hotels. This was back before cell phones. In fact, my students think this might have been back before we started keeping track of time. Front desk clerks at hotels became my closest friends. They performed a very important function for me. Each night before going to bed, I would dial zero, call down to the person at the front desk, and ask them to give me a wake-up call at a certain time in the morning. Sure enough, at exactly that time, the phone beside my bed would ring, and a cheery voice would say, Good morning, Mr. Nelson. This is your wake-up call. There was no snooze button on that phone beside my bed, so if I went back to sleep, I was pretty much toast. And that leads me to the first prophet to the southern kings of Judah, Joel, and his sticky note message. Joel's name means Yahweh is God. Remember, Yahweh is the I am that I am name God gave Abraham at the burning bush. Though the book of Joel is short, its message is clear and uncompromising. Joel's sticky note from God is this, Judah, this is your wake-up call. Joel's prophecy came to the southern kingdom during the times of Ahaziah and the white witch Athaliah, and at the same time Elijah the prophet was giving his own wake-up calls to Ahab and the kingdom of Israel in the north. God sends Joel with his wake-up call message simultaneous with a terrible locust plague on the southern kingdom. We're told in chapter 1, the locusts came in four waves and stripped clean the nation of Judah. Joel tells them what to do. Put on sackcloth, that showed humility. And fast and pray, that showed dependence. Cry out to God with a repentant, dependent heart and watch our gracious God respond. In chapter 2, Joel tells the nation of Judah and its leaders what will happen if they don't listen to the wake-up call and they snooze. Then God will sweep them with another plague, but this time, not locusts, but an army will cover the land. He talks about a terrible day of the Lord, another more serious wake-up call in their future. Again, Joel tells them what to do. Don't tear your clothes, tear your heart. Return to the Lord, He's gracious, and when you do, He will restore you. You'll have plenty. You'll know that He is the Lord your God and will never be disgraced like this again. Then looking to the future, Joel gives the people of Judah this prophecy. One day, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, and your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on servants, men and women alike. When we get to the New Testament book of Acts, an event happens, and that passage is cited saying that event fulfills the prophecy of Joel. As if to answer the question, what if in the future we disregard that wake-up call of armies swarming our land? What if we hit the snooze again? Chapter 3 tells us about a future where God will judge the nations of the world like an army on a battlefield. Then Joel ends his prophecy with this striking verse, But Judah will remain forever, and Jerusalem will endure through all future generations, I will pardon my people's crimes which I have not yet pardoned, and I, the Lord, will make my home in Jerusalem with my people. Man, that sounds familiar. I'll be your God, you'll be my people, and we will dwell together, and our edge peace that God will reign among his people forever. So ends God's sticky note message through Joel the prophet. This is your wake-up call. Don't snooze.
About 130 years later, we get our next prophet to the southern kingdom, Micah. Clearly, the southern kingdom has hit the snooze alarm. We've had the kings Joash, Amaziah, Uzziah, Jotham, and now Ahaz hitting the bottom of the barrel with Ahaz in the south and the Assyrians ready to capture the north. Micah is sent with his sticky note message. Micah's sticky note message from God is his name. Micah means who is like the Lord. God finally draws a line in the sand on this Baal worship, on this kissing up to Baal and worshiping him instead of the Lord God. So God says, who is like me? Who even comes close? That's the sticky note message to the southern kingdom and the northern kingdom as well. Micah is the prophet for the trampled down. One third of his prophecy is against the sins of Ahaz, oppression of the poor, the twisting of justice, trampling the powerless, violence, and over it all an arrogant pride. It's because of these sins we get the theme verse of Micah. It's Micah 6.8. I would urge you to memorize it. It's one of God's most important Old Testament cheat codes. I find myself coming back to it over and over and over again. It symbolizes the character and heart of God and his desire for his kids. What does the Lord require of you but to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? If that sounds familiar, that was the cheat code in the civil laws given to Moses on Mount Sinai, Exodus 21 through 23. Let me repeat it. What does the Lord require of you and me and us but to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? Micah then moves to the second third of his message. Judgment is coming to punish Judah and the northern kingdom of Israel for their sins against justice, mercy, and humility. In chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, Micah predicts the utter destruction of the northern capital of Israel, Samaria. In chapter 4, verse 10, he predicts Judah will be exiled in Babylon. At the time of Micah's prophecy, Babylon was a nobody nation, not even a blip on the political screen. The third part of Micah's sticky note prophecy is hope. Hope for the coming king in the line of David. Micah gives us one of the clearest hints of who this person will be. In chapter 5, verse 2, he pins down his birthplace geographically. This one will sound familiar. But as for you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, too little to be among the clan of Judah. From you, one will go forth from me to be ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. That is a very, very odd statement if you're talking about a human king. But that's not the only shocking thing Micah says. Now remember, the criteria of a prophet was to be 100% correct, or else he wasn't speaking for God. Check this prophecy of Micah out in chapter 4. In the last days, the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem will become the most important place on earth. People from all over the world will go there to worship. Many nations will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Israel. There he will teach us his ways so that we may obey him. For in those days the Lord's teaching and his word will go out from Jerusalem. Buckle your seatbelts. The Lord will settle international disputes. 
All the nations will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. All wars will stop and military training will come to an end. Everyone will live quietly in their own homes in peace and prosperity, for there will be nothing to fear. The Lord Almighty has promised this. Even though the nations around us worship idols, we will follow the Lord our God forever and ever. Then I, the Lord, will rule from Jerusalem as their king forever. That's stunning, and you don't need to be a history major to know that's never happened in history. Micah ends his prophecy with a challenge to his listeners in Judah, but speaking directly to God. Where is there another God like you? You can't stay angry. You pardon the sins of those who survive. You delight in showing mercy. You trample our sins under your feet and show us your faithfulness and unfailing love, just as you promised with an oath to Abraham and Jacob long ago. To the early kings in the southern kingdom, God through Joel says, Wake up! This is your wake-up call! Don't snooze! And Micah follows it up with, Who is like me? Who even comes close? God seems to be pulling out the stops. He cares about his people, even under the wicked moves of Ahaz. How will the kings who follow Ahaz in Judah and the citizens of Judah respond? Will they wake up and return to God? Will they act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly? We'll discover the answer to that in our next word picture.